Ephesians 2 verse 6. And he raised us together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. And he raised us up together. He made us sit together in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's the ascended life. That's where we live. That's our position. That's where we've been placed in the heavenly place. Let's just pray. Father, I pray today. We, we look at these amazing truths and I pray, God, would you help us to receive revelation of these truths? We can read them and, and I pray today they will be a revelation to us. They will become alive in our hearts today and, and we want to live out the truths that we read about. We don't want to see these as just theological statements, but Lord, we want to live it out in our everyday lives. And I pray, give us revelation. Give us understanding of of how that can happen. And we pray, Lord, for those right now who are are ill, Lord. So many just need that touch from you. And I pray right now, you'd touch their bodies. You'd make them whole. You'd make them well. Drive out every virus, every symptom right now, and touch their bodies and heal them and make them whole. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Just say last week, you know, I'm talking about living in righteousness. I, I really beat myself up last week. Remember last week I, I said, pray for Polly's husband, Dave. Remember that? And I said, pray. And I said, he's in prison. Remember I said that? I felt awful afterwards. I felt so awful I said that afterwards. Uh, and I told Polly about it. I apologised to her. And she laughed and laughed. She says, you know what? That's the funniest thing I've heard for a long time. I actually cheered her off. So that was good. But keep on praying for Dave because there is a serious situation or seriousness. But uh, I, felt, I felt awful about that. But she had a good laugh about that. So that was, that was helpful. Anyway, Ephesians 2, and we've been thinking about this. It's believing that when Jesus was raised, we were equally raised with him. And Jesus' resurrection isn't just something symbolic. When he was raised, you were raised with him. You, you, not a symbolic thought, you were raised with him. And I think the danger of so many things that we read in the Bible is that we read them as theological statements, which they are. But the key is to actually allow those theological statements, if you like, to so impact us that we live them out in our day-to-day experience and our day-to-day life. And I'm talking about that knowing the fact that we've been raised with Christ, that we live in the power of resurrection, how do I then express that in my day-to-day working, in my day-to-day life. How does that work out? That's what I want us to rethink about. It's interesting that that verse there in Ephesians, the first three chapters of Ephesians are all talking about our position, that we've been raised with Christ and, and all, you know, that we've been seated in heavenly places and all this kind of stuff. And, if, and the first three chapters of Ephesians talk about our position, who we are in Christ, what Christ has done for us. The next three chapters talk about how it works out practically. It talks about marriage. It talks about family life. It talks about your work life. It talks about spiritual warfare, how we deal with the enemy. But it's all a result of knowing your position. So here's the point. If I don't really know my position, then it's going to affect my marriage. It's going to affect my family life. It's going to affect my work life. It's going to affect... My, my prayer life is going to affect my, you know, my, my, my way I deal with the enemy. So much is based on the first three chapters. Who are, that I know who I am. I know I've been raised with Christ and out of that, I live my life here on earth 
on a day-to-day experience. Can you say amen? And when we talk about living this, this ascended life, this life in the power of the resurrection, what we're actually talking about is that I see my life from God's perspective. I no longer look at my life through my experiences, through my own perspective. To be raised with Christ means I live and I see my life through the perspective of God. In a maze, I know some of you who, when you go on a flight, when you go up in the plane, doesn't everything look so different? You know, Guernsey is probably the only place, when you think about it, that you can be up in the air and say, I live down there, that's where I live, there's my house there. There's not many places in the world you can actually do that, to actually fly around and say, there's my house right there. Only a family, isn't that amazing? And you see your house, your neighbourhood, your community from a totally different view because you're ascended, because you're on high. And that's the way it needs to be spiritually. That we see our lives from a totally different perspective. I think what's happened, and this is kind of word that's come over a lot the last few weeks really, is that we... We often, live, we, we often live short of what Jesus has died to bring us. I think we live so below the potential, so below what God's made available to us, because we don't see our lives from a heavenly perspective. I think if, if our eyes were opened and we saw ourselves the way God sees us, if we could see what's available, the resources, the power, the glory, the strength, all the resources that God's made available, if we could have our eyes open to all that, and we'd see our lives from that perspective, I think our lives would totally change. And the call is to come up higher. To begin to bring heavenly influence on everyday life situations. Because that's where I live, really. We live in heaven. That's our, that's our position. And out of that, we bring heavenly influence on our earthly situations. We begin to see all that God has made available to us. See, the cross is an historical fact. That's not where really everything ends. Really, that's where it begins. We live from the cross. It begins from the cross. And out of that, we live in the power. The cross, the power, the resurrected life helps us to live out the magnitude of what the cross has achieved and done for us. Can you say amen? Let's look at a few scriptures here. Romans 8. What an amazing verse this is. And we kind of sang that a little bit. It was kind of... What an amazing verse. What a... A mind-boggling verse, this verse is. When we really, one of these things, it's searching the very depths of this verse. Romans 8, verse 11. But, so, we've got to put our butts like this. But, if the Spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Did you see that? That when you gave your life to Christ, God put in you the greatest power. And it's greater than anything you will face. 
And I don't think we're meant to go through life, you know, backing down, full of fear, being intimidated, being overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. We don't live our lives at a disadvantage. Often we do. We, we often feel that we live with a disadvantage. You know, my circumstances, we see, I've got this disadvantage. I haven't got this, I haven't got that, and, and I'm not as clever, I haven't got the personality. And we often see our lives and live our lives through a perceived disadvantage. I have to laugh about this, I'm sure the ladies mentioned it again, but football managers, ever see football managers when, when they get interviewed afterwards, when they've lost, they always say, well, I was at a disadvantage. You know, I had a player sent off. Or, you know, uh, the, the referee was against us. And they always see their loss because they see they attack that match with a disadvantage. And we often see life like that. We look at life and think that we have a disadvantage. When in fact, we always have the advantage. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in us. We've got the ability. We've got all the resources to fulfill the assignment that God has given to us. See, most of us believe in the incredible power God has. But how many of us believe that same power is at work and being placed in us? How many of us believe that God has poured that power in you and I? A power so strong that death could not hold him in the grave. All the creative energy, all the creative power of God was poured into Christ to rise him from the dead. Amen? And that same creative power, that same energy that God used to raise Christ from the dead, we're told that same power is now at work in us. And the only way you activate that power is to really believe that it's true. To really believe it. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in me. In other words, it's the same things like, I'm never going to accomplish my dreams. I've been through so much. So much is rising up against me. I'm at such a disadvantage. Have a new perspective that you have the fullness and you're full of resurrection power. You might have had some bad breaks, but you're not the victim, you're the victor. The same power that rise cries from the dead. And you don't run from the fight, you fight the good fight. You know what a good fight is? It's one that you win. Can you imagine a boxer saying... I had a great fight. I got knocked out in the first round, but it was a great fight. We, we, we think that's ridiculous. That wasn't a good fight. You got knocked out in the first round. That was a bad fight. A good fight is a fight that you know that you've already won. You are already the victor. You've already won. The same power, the same victorious power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in you. Jesus said an amazing word. He says, the devil comes or the prince of darkness comes, but he has got nothing in me. He's got no power over me. And we can say the same thing. That bad break 
want to hold me back. Those people can't hold me back. That negative news can't hold you back. The power in you is no match for what you are facing. The power in you is far, far greater than anything in life that rises up and comes against you. You might say, you know what, I don't feel very powerful. I don't feel very strong. I don't feel with much ability. And we realize it's not about how you feel. It's what you believe. It's what you know. And what you know, you begin to act like it's true. Whether you believe it, whether you feel like it, you act like it's true. Let's don't go through life being intimidated and, and, and feel this thing just overwhelming us. Realize the greatest power in the universe is now in you. It's now working in you. It's now being released in you. You and God make a majority. See yourself as full of resurrection power. If death couldn't hold Christ in the grave, then those setbacks, those things rising up against you, those things rising up against you, are no match for the resurrection power that's at work in you. Isn't that awesome? Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has now been given up to me. And now I give that to you. Your trample, your, your, set, your trample on scorpions and, and whatever else it was, and over all the power of the enemy. You know, the Bible says that, that Jesus brought the devil to, to, to naught. That word naught means zero. You've got to hold, get a hold of that. So every time the enemy tells you that you're, that you're weak, you're powerless, it tries, it tries to put worry on you, tries to indim, intimidate you, tries to condemn you, just give him the zero sign. You have been brought to naught. You've been brought to zero. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work. Ever thought about this? Maybe you, were, you feel like you're a zero. But when God comes into your life, he, he puts a one in front of you. And now you and him make an incredible majority. Look at this other verse. Philippians 3 verse 10. Just say to yourself, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in me. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to be overwhelmed or overcome because the same power is at work in me. Amen. Philippians 3, verse 10. Look at this amazing verse. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. Paul said, I want to come into an intimate walk with Jesus. Here's the key. The more closer the more intimate I come with Jesus, the more I become aware of resurrection power. I think true resurrection power comes as a, as a if you like, an offshoot of living close to Jesus, of being intimate with him, of being close to him, of fellowshipping him with him, of abiding with him, of living near to him. As a result of that, you begin to enter into, you begin to receive 
Resurrection power. The ability of resurrection power begins to flow in you. It comes out of relationship. It comes out of fellowship. It comes out of intimacy with Jesus. Can you say amen? The word there, power, is the word dunamis. like that one, Jackie, don't you? Dunamis. And that word dunamis, I like that word. The word dunamis actually means, it means miracle working power, but it means explosive power. Explosive power. When Jesus was raised from the dead, there was an explosion. Amen? You know what the Bible says about that? When he was raised from the dead, there were Old Testament saints who suddenly rose again from the grave. You know that story in Matthew? He says that all these saints had died before also were raised from the dead because the power that raised him was such an explosive power that every other body else who was connected also were raised and, and they were walking around. They were raised from the dead. The same creative power dwells in you. And without that power, really, you're not going to overcome the the difficulties, you're not going to overcome the problems, you're not going to overcome the sin battles. There's nothing you'll overcome until you realise and recognise the power. And when you know that resurrected power, it gives you confidence. It gives you boldness. You no longer struggle and think those obstacles and those problems in life are going to overcome you because you know that you have living in you resurrection power because of the intimacy, because of the nearness, because of the closeness you have with Jesus. That power becomes alive and real to you in your own everyday situation. Notice what it says. That I would know him in his resurrection power and the fellowship of his suffering. Now, often in our nation, and particularly the Western nation, we don't really experience suffering in that respect, in persecution, if you like. But for every Christian, that, that there is an element of suffering. What am I talking about? I mean that sometimes we've got to say no to things we want to do. And your flesh will, will feel the pain of that. Do things that you break out of comfortability, out of comfortable situations that you don't want to do. Do things that naturally you don't want to do. Deny yourself things that you want. Lay down your own agendas, your own things, and that's part of of suffering for Christ. You're willing to to suffer for him and and deny yourself things and and go through and and cause, and not allow your your flesh to rule over you and deny what your flesh wants because you want the power of resurrection. See, I think the resurrection flows when something is recognised. When you come to a real quality decision that you recognise that Jesus is going to be Lord totally of my life. And, and if it costs me, if it means I've got to go through some suffering, some, some, through some things in life, then it's worth the quality of the life of the resurrected Christ living through me. Look at another verse, 1 Corinthians 15. Do you know, as we talk about the resurrection, do you know the most important fact really, that we, that, that we stand on, really, above all else, is the resurrection. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then everything we do is totally useless. We, really, we, we are people without hope. 
if the resurrection did not happen, then everything we stand on is finished and gone. Someone said the most beautiful thing about the tomb of Jesus is the fact that it's empty. Amen. And that is the fundamental, the foundation of everything. That Jesus was raised from the dead. I was hearing, uh, it was a conference actually, and he, he was a university professor, a Christian, a really on fire Christian guy, who debates with all the top evolutionists. And he says, you know what, the, the most fun, he says, the thing that I, the, the thing that I base everything on is the resurrection of Jesus. Because if that is true, then everything else flows from that. If it isn't true, then we've got no foundation. So it's so vital that we allow the, the resurrection truth to go into our hearts. But, and Paul brings this out here in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. He said, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If, this, if, in, if, in, if in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are all of men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those, of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, he says, we live our, sometimes we can actually live our lives as though Christ is not risen. Whenever we live in defeat and whenever we live in, in a powerless life, whenever we live in, under the power of depression, all these things, we are living our lives as though Christ has not been risen. Let me define to you what resurrection life is like. What, what it looks like. It's a life of victory. A life of power. A life of overcoming. It's a lifestyle of praise, boldness, peace, joy, living right, Wisdom, love, all those things and many, many more are elements of living a resurrected life. Why is that so important? Because that's the life the world wants to see. The world wants to see the resurrected life of Jesus. They really do. And we realize the world doesn't really want religion, they don't want religion. What they want is to see the life of Jesus. And the life they want to see is his resurrected life. Where do they see it? Through us. That's how they see it. That's how they see the resurrected life of Jesus. They see it through us. Jesus says, he says, you know what? You are the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill. Isn't that a powerful description? Have been to maybe something like Austria or, or the mountains, and you look up to the mountains and you see a, a town, a village, all lit up. It's the most incredible sight you can ever see. And Jesus says, that's the way you are. You're a light that shines out in darkness. And people are drawn to it. People want to head towards it. People want to pursue it. Because of what they see in you. Resurrected life of Jesus. You know, one of the things I feel more and more strongly convicted to pray over is that Jesus will be exalted in, in Guernsey. Not a particular church or a denomination will, will be exalted, but that Jesus 
will be exalted, the fame of Jesus would spread through Guernsey. And he spreads it through his people. In other words, when we see the perspective of who we are, we see we've been risen with Christ, we see that we've overcome, we see this incredible life He's poured in us, then out of that perspective, we allow the heavenly influence to break out and touch other people. Our resources, our talents, our gifts, our abilities, everything God has placed in us, we're using to bring heavenly influence we're actually using it to reveal and demonstrate and manifest the kingdom of God. Amen? The resurrection life is not meant to be kind of held in. It's meant to be released and touched and released to those around us. John 10, verse 10. And you know this so well, very famous scripture. John 10, verse 10. The thief doesn't come to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you might have life, and I love it, that you might have it more abundantly. That word for life there is the Greek word zoe. zoe. It's the Greek word zoe. And the, word, the Greek word zoe actually means the life of God. It means eternal life. Eternal life is not just something that you, you get when you die. You get that eternal life of God the moment you get born again. You have the life of God. Jesus says that you would have life. And the life, the Zoe life inside you has the power to subdue everything else that is contrary to the life that God has for your life. Depression, discouragement, worry, anxiety, fear, torment, those things are contrary to the resurrected life. Amen? But the resurrected life, the abundant life that God puts in us, overcomes the natural life that wants to rule us and dictate to us. The Zoe life, the life of God, the eternal life, that swallows up all those things that are contrary to that life. His life is so powerful, it consumes everything else. You say, Amen. Notice what he says. This life, this Zoe life, this eternal life, this life of God, you receive it, and you receive it in what? Abundance. Not in a minimum position, but in abundance. It's abundant life. It's abundance. It's, we have it in overflowing measure. Why is it overflowing? Why in abundance? Because if it just fills it up, then it stays contained. But if it overflows, it spills out over. You see that? And so... God gives us abundance of life. So it overflows. It overspills and affects and touches others around us. Can you say amen? Let me just give you one last scripture. 1 John 4. Again, all these scriptures we're so familiar with. 1 John 4, verse 4. You are of God. How many believe that? Little children and overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In other words, walking in resurrection power means I walk with a consciousness at all times 
the risen Christ in me. It's a consciousness. It's not just a theological statement, but I've got a consciousness, an awareness, that all times Christ in me. And I need to remind myself of that. When I feel defeated, when I feel like giving up, when I feel like life is overwhelming me, I need to remind myself that greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Let me know the truth always as a therefore. I am a new creature, therefore the old has gone. Isn't that powerful? I have died with Christ, therefore I have newness of life. And that sense when we realise that there's a truth and therefore this is how I act, this is how I live, this is how I think, this is how I operate in life because of a therefore. Therefore, if great we see that's in me, therefore then when I face those overwhelming circumstances, therefore I know the greater one is in me than he that is in the world. Can you say amen? Say me believe all that is true. So if that is all true, that we have resurrection power, overcoming life, victorious life, how come then often we live in powerlessness? We live overcome by discouragement and, and fear. What is the root of that powerlessness? You know what the root of that powerlessness is? It's because we believe the things that that we're facing are bigger. And I think there's two reasons why we really don't live in the resurrection power that we should. And very quickly, I just want to just close with, with the two things that stop and hinder that resurrection power from flowing. Here's the first thing. I think we've got a distorted view of God. A distorted view of God. If we see God as mad and condemning, distant, remote, impossible to, to, to please, if you like, it affects the way I live my life. It's the effects I way I live my life. See, Paul talks about knowing the love of Christ, doesn't he? He said, I'm praying that you would know the love of Christ. That you would really, really, in the depth of your heart and depth of your being, know above all else that you are truly loved and cherished by God. And as we said, out of your knowing the love of God, you enter into the fullness of God. In other words, if I don't really know that I'm loved and cherished by God, I really won't enter into the fullness of God. Because of a, of a distorted view I have of God. So if I have a distorted view of God, it's going to affect the way I live my life. That I would know Him. The more I know Him, the more I know power of resurrection. In other words, what you see in God, you become. I'm sure none of us do this, but can you imagine that and there are people that do this. They go to a service. They say, oh, that pastor's shirt looked like, a, looked like a deck chair. What was he preaching about? I didn't understand a word what that guy was on about. And the worship, why, why didn't they get that work in? And that, when they brought the communion around, why didn't they give it, why didn't they give it to that person rather than me? And why does that person do that? Why did that person do that? And you go back and you just give a whole negative report 
of that service. Why do, why do people behave like that? Do you know why? Because that's what they see in God. They see a God who's always picking on them, who's always finding fault with them, who's always trying to bring them down, and out of that kind of critical view they think God has for them, they begin to basically put that on everything else they do in life. They have a critical, negative view of life because of what they see in God. But what happens when you have a correct view of God? What about when you see God as an amazing God of love? What happens when you see God as an amazing God of grace? How do I show mercy to people by seeing, first of all, that God's merciful? If I see God's merciful to me, then I'm going to be merciful to others. Jesus says, when you pray, say, forgive those who have sinned against me. In other words, when I perceive he's forgiven me, then I'm going to develop an ability to forgive others. Whatever I see in God, I become. Why are people miserable? Because they don't see God's a God of joy. When I see God's a God of joy, I become what I see in him. When I see he's a God of, of, of happiness and celebration, when I see in God, I will become in me. If I see him as distant, remote, judgmental, critical, self-righteous, if you like, then all that I see in God, I become. But when I have a true view of God, I'm able to rise up in the power of ways. Now, I've shared this before, forgive me, but The Lion King. How many love the film The Lion King? Do you remember that story there? It is Simba. Simba. Remember Simba? And he looks up. And he sees his father. Remember that? He sees his father in the clouds. How many seen that film? And the father says to him, in the clouds, the father says to him, Simba, you have forgotten who you are. And he says, how have I forgotten who, who I am? He says, because you've forgotten who I am. And when you lose sight of who God is, you lose sight of who you are. You lose who you truly are. You lose the, the power of resurrection because your identity is wrapped up in who God is. Now to him, says Jude, who's able to keep you from falling. In other words, have a correct view of his ability and his power. His power is unlimited and mighty and powerful. The Bible says, fear not. Why should I not fear? Because I am with you, says the Lord, and I'm big. So the more I recognize the ability, the power, the greatness of God, then the limited way the enemy will come at me. Let me close with this. Let me just say this before I go on to the next point. But how many believe in the goodness of God, for example? It's amazing how the, that's one area. Where I believe the enemy attacks that area more than anything else to give us a distorted view of the goodness of God. See, we experience, we often view God through the experiences of life. And because we view God through the experiences of life, it gives us a distorted view of who God is. I remember many years ago when, when, my, when my mom died. That was a horrible experience. She died of breast cancer and it was not a pleasant thing to see her go that way. And I, had to, I was challenged. Do I believe God 
through what I'm experiencing now? And do I allow that to distort my view of God for the rest of my life? And a lot of people are living the whole of their life with a distorted view of God because of what happened to them. Here's what I need to see. We don't bring God down to our experience, but we allow our experience to be lifted up to God's Word. That's how I live in a correct view. I refuse to allow the experiences of life to distort my view of God. The Bible says all things work together for good. It doesn't mean everything happens is good. But because we believe God's good, that somehow he's going to take all the bad and painful and, and, and bad experiences that happen and somehow take the mess of it and work it somehow to bring some good out of it. Can you say amen? Let me close with this. Also, we can have a... The, thing, the next thing that will hinder the resurrected power is not only that we have a distorted view of God, we have a distorted view of ourselves. We see ourselves through what happens to us. Failed relationships, broken family, abuse, all these things. We begin to see ourselves through the eyes of our past. And we see ourselves as a failure. We see ourselves as a victim. We see ourselves as a loser of life. And that wrong view of yourself will sabotage God's will and God's power in your life. If you see yourself as insignificant and worthless and inferior, no matter how powerful God is, then that will limit His power in us. We've got to see ourselves through the eyes of resurrection life. See ourselves. Our ID, our identity is resurrection. Erected life. Let me just very quickly say this. You know, one of the identities of, of resurrection life is righteousness. You know what righteousness means? And I wrote this down. This is what the word righteousness means. It means the ability to stand in the presence of God without any sense of guilt, without any sense of inferiority, just as if I never sinned, never existed. In other words, I don't really see myself as the righteousness of God. I see myself as inferior. I see what I'm facing. Whatever you feel inferior to is what rules your life. So if I feel inferior to my circumstances, then that's going to rule me. If I see myself inferior to certain people, then they're going to rule me. Whatever I see myself as inferior to rules and controls me because I've got a wrong ID. I don't see myself as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. My ID is a new creation. My ID is I'm a child of God. And all these things, that's who I am. It's not what people say about me. It's not what circumstances say about me. It's not the way I feel. That I am who God says I am. That's my ID. That's who I am. I refuse to live a life that has a wrong view and estimation of who I am. And that will always block the life that God has for you. Heavenly say, Lord, I want resurrection life. Fullness. A life that's overcoming. Instead of being overcome, you overcome. Instead of being continually, perpetually defeated all the time, you live a life of victory. Not that you, you don't have problems, not that things are not there to, to challenge you, but you realize and recognize 
the power of resurrection life. Let's just stand, shall we, just in these moments right now. Let's just come before the Lord. Let's just right now in these moments. Say, Lord, right now in these moments. Just grant to me a revelation of the resurrected life that you put in my in me. How we to rise above the challenges and the circumstances and you know, I believe that often the lies of the enemy. The enemy, the lies the enemy's told you. The, 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 if you like, the, those thoughts, those ideas, those concepts about you that are lies from the enemy, that build up strongholds in you and prevent you from fully entering into resurrection. Some of us don't believe this life is available to us. We think it's for everybody else, but not for us. And God wants you to break out of that confinement this morning and to know the power of the resurrected life that he has made available. That's who you are. You've been raised with Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray right now, I pray, God, we, I pray that revelation flow in hearts today, Lord. Help us to see ourselves as we really are. We, I break every distorted view, every lie of the enemy right now. I pull those strongholds down in the name of Jesus. Every distorted lie. Lord, that we will no longer see you through our experiences and through our problems, Lord, that we would see you as you truly are. And we would see ourselves, that we are raised to newness of life in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. But Lord, we died with you so that we may be raised to newness of life with you. I pray that that revelation this morning enter every heart right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's thank him right now. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the life I have. Declare it. Confess who you are. Confess what the Bible, the word of God, God says about you. Not what your experience says about you, not what your circumstances say about you, but what God truly says about you. And it will just change your life when you recognize it. Father, bring that revelation to our hearts, we pray right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Eden Church. For more downloads or to contact us, Please visit our website at delanteelim.co.uk.